Hello, world. Welcome to the Speed Strength Show. I'm Tommy. And I'm Braden. And a beanbag chair is a boneless chair. Oh, that's a good one. You like that? It, well, that describes it perfectly. It does, I feel. Yeah. It's just, it's, it has everything you need, except it lacks structural integrity. That bones or anything would actually give you. Yeah, exactly. Wood is the bone of a chair, I would say. Yeah. Although some chairs are nothing but bone. Some people are nothing but bone. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Very small people. Yeah. But yeah, that's it. I mean, I've never thought about a beanbag chair being a chair without bones, but that's exactly what it is. Because think about like a person. And if they just had no bones, you're just a, a squishy thing. Yeah, exactly. So the, the idea that a beanbag chair, it's a chair without any bones, makes complete sense. Yeah, you could take it a few different places too. Like you could think about um, ice as being water with bones. You know, mm. it's, it's the normal thing, but with more structural integrity. That's true. Does that make a waterbed? Is that a bed or a mattress without bones? Because there's no springs, mm-hmm. frame, or structure? I mean, could be. Potentially, it could be. A food for thought. Not training related at all, but no. it's good to get the mind going, right? It's, it is. Yeah, it's a good uh, a creative exercise. Creative thinking exercise coming up yeah. with bizarre analogies to get the wheels turning Mm -hmm. before we actually talk about yeah semi-legitimate things yeah we're just thinking thinking differently is all we're doing right now outside the box yeah yeah what have you been up to this week uh not much just kind of you know plugging away different work and different things that we have to do Mm mm-hmm facilities are opening back up so yeah we're we're going back to work yeah track stuff track stuff starting to happen yeah especially outdoor right it's easier to be in the outdoor spaces than Mm -hmm. than indoor so we haven't moved indoor for anything but you know get everyone out at the track and and be outside and Mm -hmm. do your training there both for the sport and you know from a supplemental standpoint so kind of do everything everything out there. So that's been good to kind of be back. And then, you know, that's about it. Yeah. What about yeah. you? Uh, I mean, yeah, same deal. Facilities are opening back up. So been, been training people. Um, third training session, third personal training session since COVID was earlier today. Um, I also trained for the first time in a long time, which was exciting. Like in a weight room? Yeah, yeah. Some some squats and some bench, and I am very weak. But How sore are you right now? Well, it was also earlier today, so. Oh, so it hasn't hit you yet. Yeah, well, that's why I'm wearing the hat, because my hair's a mess, because the gym was hot and sweaty, because there's no fans because of COVID as well. So well, That's true. I didn't think about the... Yeah. That would suck. It gets humid. Like it's a sweat box. Just terrible. It gets humid, but it's, it's nice that it's the summer cause the door is open. So you get a little bit of a breeze, 
Um, and then it just kind of, you know, the air flows a little bit and then it, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's a nice atmosphere. Um, and it, the breeze is nice to kind of keep you cool. Um, and it, it's also like, you're almost outside, you know, you're outside except there's a roof basically. Yeah. So, which, I mean, I guess that talk kind of feeds into what we're talking about today. You know, I was already talking about facilities opening up and things, things like that. Training spaces and, and stuff like that. I mean, I guess one thing, has COVID changed the way that you like program? Oh yeah. For Big people? Time. Big time. Like I wasn't sure if there are there things that you started to program now for previously that were out of necessity. Cause it's like, I don't have this space or this thing available. So I'll have you do this exercise or this thing instead. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, actually, I kind of like this thing. I might as well leave something like that in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It has um, like some people have a more expansive home gym setup. Um, so some, some people have like the full cable machine um, and rack and bench and all that stuff um, and blocks and things like that. Um, so for them, it doesn't really change much. If you have, if you have the cable machine, you can do pretty much anything you need to do. Um, you know, you can set your lat pull down on that and you can, uh, if you have a box, you can figure out a way to do like quad extensions and, and hamstring curls and things like that. Um, but for a lot of people, people that didn't have anything and then got stuff just for this or borrowed equipment just for this, they're borrowing plates and a rack and a bar and that's it. And and a bench. Um, so for them to get accessory work in definitely getting creative because like, how can you, how can you load? Like the easiest one I guess is, is back stuff. So back accessories, if you're doing a bent over row, that's easy. You just need a barbell and plates. Um, you don't want to do that with everybody, especially powerlifters. A lot of them got sensitive backs anyway. So a little bit of extra time in that hinge position is not nice. Um, but then, and then that's also just, that's bilateral, right? So if you want to do any kind of, you would normally do a dumbbell row, single arm dumbbell row. Can't do that because nobody's going to get a full set of dumbbells. Just for um, one exercise. Exactly. So instead you're doing things like a lever row, which does the same thing. The plane of pull is a little bit different, but you can load it with the plates and you can incrementally increase the weight as you get stronger. So you don't need a bunch of dumbbells. Um, And then pull-ups is another thing that I like to program a lot, Um, which you could theoretically, if you've got a rack, if you've got a rack that already has a pull-up bar on it, then easy if you don't then you could you know set it up at its highest setting and just use the bar for pull-ups um so you've got the bar going across the j-hooks as high as you can get it Mm -hmm. and then bend your knees as much as you need to or to get us well not a similar effect but like addressing the lats at least a little bit more directly um barbell lat pullovers was another one that i programmed a lot Oh, interesting. Um, mm-hmm. 
which yeah like it doesn't do the same thing but it targets the lats in a different way and um in a way that most people probably don't get exposure to that often um and it i think mimics a lot of what you need to do in the deadlift and in the bench uh, from a powerlifting point of view in a nice way and then it's it's also just really fun for shoulder stability as well which can't really get enough of that so yeah those that was the big one i would say um yeah and then it's hard to like guess at you know if, if people things like pec flies you know you can do that with the plates but you're either doing it with a 10 or a 25 a 35 maybe or a 45 so you got these huge jumps in there so that's even just holding the 45 pound plate to do a fly would be it'd be horrible like Like depending yeah depending on the plate like you could put your finger through the hole or some of the plastic ones that have holes around the outside. Yeah. Um, you could kind of make that work similar to a kettlebell. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it was interesting for sure. And then with that, like you're not, I, you're not really programming reps because you, if you say like you need to do 10 reps of pec flies and they would normally do that with like 15, 20 pounds, they're either going to, be doing like a comfortable six reps with 25 or a comfortable 15 with 10. So, you know, it's, then you're giving them a range and allowing them to progress that way. So yeah, it was definitely, uh, it was definitely interesting, definitely interesting. And then the more niche equipment like sleds and prowlers and things like that, you can't program that either, but not that I did a lot of that, but the space is another thing that's restricted. You got to keep that in mind too. Yeah. How about you? Did you uh, do a lot of like, because I know you weren't working with your athletes really anymore. Um, yeah, we had to keep like a level, like there, there were rules from the university and, and yeah. things like that, that, you know, we did have to make sure that we were doing things remotely. Like we were allowed yeah. to work with them, but it had to be okay remotely because we didn't want to run the risk of you know, going to a space or a place that we weren't supposed to be right. technically together as a team and then have something not good happen. And then mm-hmm. it's just not a overly responsible thing to do. Yeah. But so you were, you were doing like programming for them at home or for whatever kind of uh, equipment or space they had access to. Yeah. So, I mean, we were able to still give them stuff to do, you know, at the track or for field events and things like that, especially once the weather cleared up. Mm-hmm. So once May hit, I mean, our weather here is a little worse. So we had to wait till start of May, middle of May to really be able to take advantage of, of being outside, but you really don't have much restrictions with the sporting stuff because, you know, once the, once you can get outside, you can do running and jumping and, you know, all the things that we would have done at the track in regular open space, you can do them in a grass field, you can do them wherever. So where we kind of had to get more creative is with the, what's it called? Um, like with the weight room stuff or the yeah. supplemental training, because now we were used to being in a weight room and having a consistent space available 
that we no longer had anymore. So that was the big difference for, for us. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, just, just one second. I don't know if you want to stop recording for this or not. Um, my cat was in the room and now decided he wants to get out. So, so yeah, what different stuff were you doing to make up for the lack of weight room then? Well, I mean, we had to make it work with, with no equipment for the most part. Um, so I think the, the interesting thing that I took away from all this is that it really forced me to go back to, I guess what you could call the underlying principle or the underlying mechanic behind the different training adaptations. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, it, it's really easy to, you know, achieve hypertrophy or max strength or whatever quality you might be looking at, you know, when you have the weight room at your disposal. Cause there's so many different things you can do. You have so much variability with the equipment and, and whatever. But one of the things that at least I did myself with the training that we were prescribing was you had to start thinking about, like I said, the underlying mechanic behind that. So what makes hypertrophy actually happen, right? Cause it's not lifting weights in the weight room necessarily. That's a method we can use, but the underlying mechanic is that the muscle needs to be at or near failure from some sort of resistive exercises. So in that regard, it made me think, okay, if we need to achieve hypertrophy, I just need to make sure I use some form of resistance to bring that person and their muscles to failure or close to failure. So, I mean, it gets a little bit ugly because now instead of, you know, let's go do 10 reps of bench press and make sure it's heavy enough that you barely get the last rep. Now we might need to prescribe you know, push-ups to failure or these destructive circuits that requires way more volume because we have way less weight available to us. But looking at the underlying mechanic allowed for a lot more flexibility in terms of what we, what we programmed. And one of the other things was trying to keep up the max strength, right? Cause it's, it's interesting with track because you get so much out of the sport, right? When we go to the track or we go to a field and we we do sprinting and we do hopping and jumping and, and bounding and all these other things. There's, you know, a plyometric response. There's a rate of force development response. We get a lot of qualities from training on the track. One of the biggest things we can accomplish on the track is, is the max strength. And oftentimes that's because of the absence of load. And so the weight room makes it really easy to accomplish that. But if we start peeling back some of the layers on max strength, well, what is max strength? It's, it's maximal muscle tension or high levels of muscle tension. So it's really easy to throw three or four plates on the bar and tell somebody to move it because all that resistance forces them to create maximal muscle tension. So, but if you understand that mechanism or that principle, now we can start to try to find different ways to have the athletes produce maximal muscle tension in some way, shape or form without all that resistance. So, you know, using things, there are athletes, for example, that can't do pistol squats. So now all of a sudden, if they can only do, if we do some training and they only only do one or two pistol squats, I mean, from a muscle tension standpoint, you're getting a tremendous amount of muscle tension to accomplish that exercise. Um, even some things like an RKC plank, 
where, okay, plank and now squeeze the ground between your toes and your elbows as much as you can. Is it as great as, you know, some sort of maximal strength lift? Probably not, but we're still accomplishing maximal muscle tension. So the biggest thing that I took away from a lot of the training with, with COVID and having to be in different spaces and take advantage of things is it forced me to look at and review what's the underlying mechanic or principle behind some sort of change. Because when I started thinking about it in that way, it made it easier for me to come up with like solutions or different exercises that we could use. Cause I was able to get out of the box of, Oh, I don't have a lot of weight. I can't do max strength or I don't have enough resistance available to bring the muscle to failure. It just required me to think in a different way. And again, I understand that that's sort of how my brain works. But when I started to think about it in the underlying principles, it really helped me come up with solutions for how we could still train effectively. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense to think about it that way. And that's, that is how I thought about it as well for, like I said, um, a good amount of my athletes were able to get home gyms. Um, but uh, a lot of them weren't able to, you know, so what I put together for them was just kind of like a, a guide to, you know, how you can develop all of these things or at least maintain all of these things that you need. Um, you know, in powerlifting, we're obviously looking at max strength is the only thing that we really care about. Care about. Um, but there's a lot of things that go into that. You know, there is the, well, the size of the muscle is going to pay you know, some importance. So hypertrophy is something that we're interested in. Um, the number of muscle fibers that you can activate is something that's going to play a part. And then your just general skill and your ability to, you know, stabilize the areas around the main movers, your ability to recruit the main movers and, you know, the, st the stabilizers and, um, what kind of a, um, you know, a pattern for like when things get too heavy, how do you, what's the word for it? How do you, um, like a default, you mean? Yeah. Like a default. Like if something's too heavy or you're moving too fast, what do you default to in terms of your movement? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Like there's a, there's like a, yeah. A pattern. If, if you're, if it's too heavy for you to do it the right way, then you default to this other pattern. There's a word. I can't remember what the word I'm thinking of is. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there's all these different things to kind of take into account. And so, you know, we're, we are going to do some higher rep things to get closer to failure for that hypertrophy stimulus. Um, and whether or not we're actually going to build muscle is hard to say, cause these athletes obviously have been used to using weight for that purpose for a long time. Um, but at least give you a better shot at maintaining the muscle you have. And, you know, then there's also the strength portion where the like purely muscle tension and uh, recruitment and activation where things like pistol squats, I think are awesome, you know, especially for, especially for powerlifters doing something that's challenging and unilateral like that. It's, it's, they're very strong on two legs, but very weak on one, you know a lot of the time. So something like that will, will be challenging. And like a single arm push up is another thing. Another example 
of something that would, you know, challenge the upper body in a similar way. That one's deceptively hard. It is super hard. Yeah. Super like hard. Deceptively hard. And then you yeah. think, oh, let me elevate myself on this really high, like counter that's yeah. like three or four feet tall. And yeah. then you go to try to do it and you're like, okay, I didn't respect this exercise enough. Mm-hmm. This is a lot more difficult than I thought it was, yeah. was going to be. No, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember like the first time I tried it, I was able to do like one or maybe two. And then I elevated myself and I could do like, now I could do three. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's super hard. Um, but it's great because it gives you a lot of places to go. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like that was, I kind of cut you off, but that's no, okay. We'll, we'll come back to it. Like the, the pistol squat and the single arm push up can be so helpful in terms of that max strength of that max muscle tension. Mm-hmm. And the difficulty with the pistol squat is once someone kind of figures it out, they figured it out and you almost lose that mm. as part of the toolbox to create the muscle tension. Cause especially someone who's reasonably strong, once they start to figure it out, all of a sudden they can bang out five, six, seven, eight reps and you're losing that quality. Yeah. Yeah. That's but the fair. single arm push up is so much harder that yeah. even still, there's still a, a skill to that one. And I mean, like there's a skill to every exercise. So once you, and that's like the first adaptations you're going to get from it are going to be the neurological, you know, like learning it and how do we like stabilize everything and, and yeah. recruit the right things in the right order to make it happen. Um, but even still with the, then you can get into playing with tempo and. Um, well, absolutely. 100%. And stability and like, even, I don't know how much your athletes did this, but even if, like if you don't have plates, you still have load. Like you're at home, there's things that are heavy, you know, and and then you you add like a little bit of load to like a pistol squat, something that you're just figuring out. It gets a lot harder, you know. Yeah, if you add any sort of load to the pistol squat, it becomes yeah. challenging, and that could be throwing couple of big rice bags in a backpack yeah. and you wear the backpack or you hang on to something or yeah, anything like that. doesn't take much to make it more challenging again. Yeah. A bunch of textbooks, you know, get rocks outside, lots of stuff. But um, yeah. And then the other thing for powerlifters is, is like the movement itself. You know, if you're maintaining your muscle and you're maintaining your ability to recruit muscle fibers or develop that mask uh, maximum muscle tension, that's like it's really good but then if you're doing things out of order and you don't have practice with the skill of squatting or the skill of bench press then there's still a huge learning gap when you get back to the bar um and not that a bodyweight squat or a squat with a backpack full of textbooks is the same thing because it's not but it's it's certainly better than not squatting you know and in some cases i think it's really valuable for people that are used to squatting with a bar all the time to come back to the bodyweight squat and learn how to do it properly. Because a lot of the time, especially the big, really strong guys can't myself included. I'm not, I'm not good at bodyweight squatting. So, yeah. It's just a tra- like a, a change in training stimulus too, right? Mm-hmm. That still is at least somewhat related to the goal. Like your whole sport is squatting, benching, deadlifting. 
So effectively, anything that can improve any of those three movements is going to give a positive effect on the athlete, hopefully, right? Especially if it transfers well. Um, I mean, that was something – go ahead. uh, Well, that that was something that like thinking about the difference in how – like that's an element that I needed to include is like I needed the hypertrophy, I needed the strength, and I needed the skill itself. And similar to you, you needed the skill of sprinting itself, obviously, and the the reaction. And there's all kinds of other things that you need on top of that. Um, But you don't need to worry about squatting. In the the weight room, maybe you would have squatted or done split squats or something like that. But you don't need to worry about that movement. You just need to worry about the strength and the hypertrophy. You don't need all the other things that come with squatting or split squats or whatever. No, it it was a means to an end. Yeah, like you said, the the quality of the adaptation is mm-hmm. way more important than actually how we go about creating the adaptation. Really, the only adaptation that matters in terms of, you know, if we want to look at track and field, is you know the the speed or your jumping ability or something like that, and that's the thing that needs to be technically proficient. But all the qualities that help you run fast or jump far, or jump high. Like as long as you develop them, yeah. then you have them in the toolbox to use. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I think maybe we had probably more flexibility than, you know, people in your scenario, right. With powerlifting, because we could still, to some extent do the sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had to get a little bit more creative and come up with solutions behind how do we train max strength? How do we train, hypertrophy, how do we train some general conditioning or torso stability or whatever. We had to come up with some unique ways of doing it, but we could still run or jump or do whatever is where your whole sport is predicated around benching heavy, deadlifting heavy, squatting heavy. Mm -hmm. And that's a, like a huge skill component of, of your sport. So you alluded to the example of, okay, I can squat with some load. It's better than nothing. Was there any sort of creative ways you came up to substitute the fact that you couldn't effectively train for your sport? I guess I would say. Um, well, like, like there's the hypertrophy stuff and the, and the pistol squats are, are good things to work on the other stuff. But for the the skill itself not really like you you use as much load as you can but then um after that the biggest thing is just like treating it with the same intent you would treat your one rep max and it's really easy to just kind of be all loose and you know sandbag your way through bodyweight squats or you know if you've got maybe 15 pounds of textbooks on your back whatever like it doesn't matter that much. And, and I think it's common for a lot of lifters to do that in the gym as well. You know, they, they go through their warm up and they're probably pretty serious about the mobility stuff that they're doing. Um, and then they, you know, do some body weight squats to check like, Oh yeah, things feel pretty good. Get under the bar. You just kind of, you're bouncing around. It doesn't matter. Um, and then, you know, if they're serious power lifters, regardless if they're men or women, probably 135, they're still bouncing around you know, a lot of the time, um, unless they've had a lot of injuries, then they know that they can't afford to bounce around. Um, 
but yeah, like things for a lot of people, I don't think they don't take them seriously until you get up around 50% um, or more. And so if you're, if you treat a bodyweight squat or, you know, 15 pounds textbooks, whatever, if you treat that with the same intent and the same, like you're bracing maximally, you are, you know, stabilizing everything. You're torquing your feet into the ground. Um, you're bracing your lats and, and, and then you get down and like you're, you're keeping the same tempo, you know, that you would with a hundred percent of your one rep max and you're exploding out of the hole and things like that, then it's still challenging. It's not the same thing, of course. Like it's, you could do that a lot more times than you could do it with your one rep max. Um, but there's still a level of difficulty there. And it's almost, I think that there's almost more, there's a lot of value at least in practicing it with no load because it's a lot harder to develop that level of tension with no load. With 100% of your one rep max, you have no choice to develop that tension or else like you could die. But with just a body weight squat, the if you have the mental strength and the physical coordination and skill to develop that tension with with no weight i think that would serve you very well when you get up into higher loads from a skills skill perspective for you guys it was almost like a back to basics yeah to some yeah. extent yeah it, and it, it had to be yeah there's there's not really yeah there's no there's no way to get around not being able to squat you, like you just to develop the skill of squatting, all you can do is squat basically. Yeah. And that was, I think that it, it probably would have hit bench press the hardest. Like it's push-ups. I think are the best. Like there's not, there's not really a better body weight exercise. Like there isn't an easy body weight exercise to substitute for deadlifts squats. You can body weight squat um, and you can do pistol squats to develop some stuff. I think push-ups are the, the one that you can modify the most to get the closest like difficulty with a similar amount of reps. Um, but it's like a body weight hinge and a body weight squat are closer to a deadlift or a squat than a push up is to a bench press. I would say just with the angles that you're pushing from and the range of motion and things like that. Yeah, so the transfer effect isn't as high. Yeah, I would, so the, I would say so. So the skill of, okay, look at all the tension I'm creating, look at the good positions I'm in in a push-up isn't going to translate as well over to bench, which makes sense compared to you know, doing a body weight squat where you have a lot of tension or you're creating that tension mm-hmm. compared to a barbell squat. Because, yeah, it, yeah, the big difference being supported versus unsupported. Yep. But, I mean, were there things that you guys learned through that? Like, did you have athletes saying, like, oh, this was good that we came back to the basics. I'd forgotten about this or forgot about that or didn't respect this element of it where now all of a sudden, maybe in the long term moving forward, you know, maybe people are a little bit weaker right now because they haven't been benching or deadlifting. But is there something perhaps that they've learned as a result of this where it's like, yeah, I'm not going to forget about this. Now I can carry that into my training moving forward to make a better um, long-term. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to say on a, on a large scheme because um, 
like most people aren't back to training fully yet, or this is their first week back and they, you know, we haven't talked about it yet. Um, that is something that I, I think there would be a lot of value in having that conversation. Um, but there were some people that were like, Oh, it, it did really help to focus on the body weight squat. And, um, those people felt we had that conversation a while ago, but they felt at the time that when they were able to get back under the bar, that it would serve them well to have that level of control and stability and mobility as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, we haven't had that conversation with most people yet. Um, but yeah. And actually that leads into something else that I wanted to, uh, talk about, which I think will further lead into, um, a more general discussion about training spaces was in this time specifically. And a big part of it was quarantine in general, I think. Um, but I do also think a large part of it was based on the training spaces itself was motivation. Um, and I don't know how much you dealt with that. Like if you're dealing with track people, they can still do their sport to an extent. Um, track people, especially field people. I mean, field, I mean, if you have the equipment, um, the jumpers it's tougher are to get the equipment places, but yeah, the jumpers are probably the ones that are the most limited, I would guess. Um, well, the pit, but you can't move the pit. You can't move but. the pit and you like the, like high jumpers and, and people, I don't know if you do any, any people with, um, pole vault and yeah, like vault, all the mats yeah. and thing. Yeah. They're a disaster to move. Yeah. But like sprinters and like long, longer distance runners, you know, you can do the same stuff and it's just the other stuff that you have to focus on. Um, but I know for me being at home, like a little bit of weights, I think I could set up a bar to like one thirty-five, maybe. Um, and it's just hard to get the motivation to, you know, go down to the basement and clean the bar up and then overhead press it over my head to put it on my back and then do 10 reps. And it's like a little bit of a burn, but it's actually not that hard, you know, and it's just to get that motivation is, is tough. And I think that there were uh, a number of people that found that as well. Um, people with a home gym, I think they had a, a lot of an easier time, but it was still, still a different experience. Um, but you know, when you don't see the progress or you can't, you can't see yourself maintaining your technique or maintaining your muscle mass, really, it's, it's hard to measure that. Um, and you know, if anything, it might be kind of discouraging to, to measure that. So it's, I think it, that was, that was a big thing as well, you know, to even stick to the plan of how do we maintain as best we can, you know? Yeah. And like you said, the training space provides such a level of motivation that being at home doesn't, or the encouragement of, of other people, or even if it's, Hey, I work my job nine to five. And once I'm done work, I go to the gym to, to train, then you're taken out of your routine entirely. So then it's, well, do I train in the morning? Do I train here? Do I have the means to train? You know, I mean, I, I think everyone handled that a little differently. Yeah, definitely. Right. Like some people that we had did a really, really good job of finding ways to motivate themselves and, and making the most of not having such like an ideal situation from a training standpoint. Um, you know, maybe some people were alone 
as where other people were living in a house with teammates. So they had people to train with and there was a number of factors. So some people definitely went forward. Some people definitely went backwards. Some people were kind of in the middle. Um, I mean, from our perspective, I think the only thing that we can do to change that is, you know, is there something we can do in the programming? Is there something we can do from a competitive standpoint to kind of keep them, you know, engaged in something where they want to train? You know, Mm -hmm. it's easy when there's competitions to get people to train because they know, oh, I have this event coming up in X number of months. I need to train to prepare because I want to compete. I want to do that thing. But now with the competitions being removed, you know, what do you have to, to continue to motivate people in terms of they actually want to train or they're encouraged to train to try to get better? I think, I don't know if there were other things that you had, but that was, that was one of the things that I leaned on was, okay, how can we find a way to continue to challenge them in a way that isn't, Hey, you have this competition coming up, but instead we have this, I don't want to call it a test because it wasn't a test, but we have this other event that we're preparing for and using that to measure progress and just to keep people training. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So that's, I, well, I noticed for myself and for a few other people that um, just focusing on something different was helpful. Um, and like I mentioned to you a while ago, I did a, a few sprint workouts that were, that were fun and I haven't done that in a long time. Um, and it's not training for my sport, but it's training and it's enjoyable. Um, and there were some other people like that I coached that, um, had some fun doing some cardio, um, had some fun doing some CrossFit type stuff or had some fun, you know, wanting to work on their bodies from a a nutrition standpoint and just, uh, do a body recomp kind of thing when they can't do anything else, or at least, you know, even if they were still training, they, they don't have all of the other distractions that keep them busy, you know, work and school and things like that. Um, so I definitely do think that giving them like another, I hesitate when it comes to goal setting, but another is something else to work towards. Yeah. Is, is helpful. And another, and that was something that I, I saw on Instagram and stuff with um, so like the, the Waterloo strength coaches and team coaches and things um, having like team goals or team competitions and things like that. Um, to keep yeah people competitive within themselves against each other whatever um, and still keep that sort of team atmosphere and that's something that um, it sounds like you were able to take advantage of at least a little bit um, in fostering some competition within the group that I think is it's it's nice coaching a team sport is nice from that perspective in this time, I think like powerlifting is an individual sport. Um, there is opportunity for it to be a semi team sport, I think. Um, and that kind of community, I think there's value in fostering that. Um, but I, I think it's a little bit harder, especially with such, um, a wide range of people, you know, from like men and women. And then, um, weight classes go from like 47 kilo all the way up to 
84 plus kilo is the highest for women and 59 or 53 if you're a junior for men um 43 if you're a junior for women all the way up to 120 plus and stuff so there's there's especially if you're talking about at home stuff it's i think hard and unfair even to foster competition between you know a 59 kilo man in terms of like body weight exercises yeah and a dude who's 100 kilos yeah exactly completely different exactly so it's yeah it's it's hard to foster that and then yeah so it's that's something that was a little bit more challenging i think to to combat yeah, I, you know, it was one thing that I kind of thought about or equated it to with the with the COVID situation or having to use alternate training spaces or or anything like that is it was similar to kind of coming back from injury, mm. right? In the sense that it's a little bit of a reset, it's a bit of a rebuild. You have the chance to address some things that maybe you don't normally address, but you know, we always talk about you know trying to come back better from an injury. And using it to kind of catapult ourselves forward and be better than we were before. And I think sort of the same things, you know, when you get injured seriously, you learn a couple of things and you don't make that mistake again. And it betters your training moving forward. I think I've sort of taken the same thing away from this from a coaching perspective is that, again, going back to the basics and looking at things from a a principles or a mechanism standpoint has made me more versatile in terms of what I can do from a coaching perspective. So now I think it opens up the, the opportunity to, Oh, Hey, when we're at the track, we can do this as some supplemental training or when we're on a field doing whatever work, we can do this as supplemental training because normally we wouldn't have thought about it. But then, you know, with the COVID situation, we were forced to come up with ways to do things without a weight room. So then now I'm seeing, the field space at home, you know, community parks, all these other places as maybe places that can be just as effective as the weight room in terms of, of training. If we think about it in a, in a new light. So that was one of the things that kind of stuck out for me was that it's a little bit like coming back from injury. Yeah. I, I find agree new with, ways to be better. Yeah. I agree with that idea for sure. Um, and yeah, like it's, it's definitely an opportunity to work on things that you wouldn't otherwise choose to work on. Um, so yeah, even from a powerlifting perspective, like it's hard to squat bench deadlift without any weight, but it's really easy to do a lot of core stuff without any weight. And that's something that, you know, a lot of powerlifters could stand to do a lot more of. Um, and mobility is another thing, you know, you can, spend a lot more time on mobility without the same stresses, you know, making you tight in the same ways all the time. Um, and you know, nutrition is another one. Sleep habits are another one. Uh, mindset habits are another one, you know, so many things that contribute to success in the weight room and on the platform and on the track and all those things that, um, in a busy day, you don't, have time or you don't want to take the time to work on all those things. But now you have the time 
potentially the motivation. And sometimes you're almost kind of backed into a corner. You know, I imagine that the, the quarantine, especially in the early stages when everything, like everything was shut down, um, especially for people that, you know, aren't huge fans of their living arrangement or weren't living with anybody. Um, it's hard, you know, not to be able to see people and not to be able to go out and do your normal stuff. Um, or even, you know, the normal things that, uh, disrupt your routine that kind of add a little spicy variation. You can't do those either. And, and then all of a sudden you feel like you're in this rut. Um, so especially the mindset, I think people were forced to confront some, um, some unhealthy habitual thought patterns and, and really, you know, grow from it or not. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, again, it's another example of, you know, are we finding a way to come back better? Are we finding a way to Mm -hmm. not necessarily hit the reset button as if things were, were wrong, but it, like you said, an opportunity to kind of look at things in a new light Yeah, and then go, okay, I can make a change here. I can make a change there because I'm not focused on maybe doing this other thing that I normally would be focused on at this time. I can Mm -hmm. give some time and attention to maybe the things I've neglected or things I don't want to do things that I, you know, know are good for me, but I don't want to do my torso work or I don't want to do, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever it is that maybe people don't enjoy Mm -hmm. doing. So I think, yeah, that's another element of, I guess really the endless number of things that we could have focused on with the athletes or the people we work with to help them improve something in this time, rather than just saying we can't train, we can't get better. Right. Yep. Yep. There's a lot of, a lot of opportunity. Um, yeah. And then that just kind of, another thing too, is if you're forced to train at home, then now home becomes a place where you can train. And if an athlete feels so inclined, you know, it's an off day, but like, I feel like training, I feel like moving around a bit. Now you've got this repertoire of things that you can do. Um, or yeah, it's created a bigger toolbox, I think for a lot of people. Yeah. Like it, the toolbox for sure, but also just like looking at it as a, a space where you could do that instead of, um, you know, especially for students, especially like student athletes, you know, you live, 10 minutes, 15 minutes from campus. And especially now you probably still don't want a bus um, to go to the gym and stuff, you know, even like a couple of years down the road, you know, assuming things are opened up um, and it's, you know, a Sunday after a game or something and you, you feel pretty good and you want to get some extra work in, in the past, you probably would wrestle with yourself if you are motivated enough to hop on the bus to go to the school to go to the school gym to do some whatever you know but now you've got you you see an opportunity at home to just do some mobility or some core work or pistol squats or whatever it is yeah we've almost rethought about a way to turn or think of everything as a potential gym Mm -hmm. right like it's no longer the weight room is a place for training home can be a place to train the backyard, you know, the field, the community park, the weight room, the, yeah. and I'm sure there's people that have trained in other spaces and used 
other creative means to come up with. Uh, there was a day I did a, I did a hundred pull-ups on a tree. There you go. So yeah, it's like your backyard, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I got this tree. I can do this thing. So yeah. I think it's hopefully for a lot of people, it's opened up the mindset that not just the gym needs to be a place for training, but mm-hmm. we can use basically any space mm-hmm. as a means to, to train. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think just cause we get locked into, again, such a traditional, like, Oh, it's a weight room, squat racks, plates, bars, benches. That's where we need to go to train, but kind of get creative with it. See the, the value in other, other spaces and other places that we can, we can train. Mm-hmm. Did you go back and all and look at anything that we did at Waterloo? What do you mean? Like any of the training programs? Cause I know I definitely, one of the first things I did when quarantine hit is I went back and looked at a whole bunch of the programming we did. Cause we were in for the most part, like what I would describe as a unique training space. Oh yeah. Like it was unorthodox I mean, in that. That's regard. It wasn't a, a space filled with squat racks and bars. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. Um, was, I, I did not look at that stuff. Um, because, I mean, we still, even, even when we were upstairs, we still did, uh, at least what I'm remembering as a fair amount of weighted stuff. Um, yeah. Like we still had weight, but it was so unorthodox, but it was like, we only had the kettlebells or the plates mm-hmm. to put on the sled or something like that. So we had to get, I guess we could describe it as semi-creative, not as creative mm-hmm. as we've probably had to get now because we have potentially nothing available, Yeah, but we still couldn't write a completely traditional program mm-hmm. being in that space. You couldn't bench press up there. Right. Um, you know, so there was definitely some unique things, for example, that we, we did. So I just was curious if you maybe went back and looked, cause that was something I did to yeah, go, Oh, but, were we thinking of something kind of creative or different? And right. I, can I use that now? Did you pull anything? I didn't, I didn't look back at anything. I, I would have done some similar stuff I imagine, but uh, yeah. What did you pull anything from that? Well, ended up pulling a lot of a, some of the, like the unique kettlebell loading variations we did. Mm-hmm. Right. So remember when we took advantage of the, the staircases, cause we were up on the third floor mm. and you do oh, like yeah. carries up and down the stairs. Yeah. That was cool. Then I was like, Oh, okay. We can have people, you know, fill a, a pail of whatever, or some people had kettlebells and things like that. So it was like, don't just do the carry, like do the carry up the stairs mm-hmm. and make it more challenging, make it a, have a different dimension, a different element. Yeah. That's nice um, too. Cause it, it, uh, a lot of people training at home then especially you know in like a student apartment type situation um they don't have the space is a big limiting factor you yeah know? so that's that's nice that's cool and then the other stuff was just some of the variety from the the body weight stuff that we did where it was mm-hmm. like oh i forgot about that exercise or i forgot about this or mm-hmm. you know that's a way that we could train this quality or do that but I mean, like I said, there was definitely, definitely some things I went back and looked at and it was like, oh, okay, that's a, we, we had a reasonable idea with, with that exercise. I, I'm going to use it now. Mm-hmm. So, cause that was sort of the first place my brain went as soon as we got shut down and things were mm-hmm. closing and people are like, we don't have barbells, we don't have plates, we can't do squat and bench. How are we going to train? And the first thing I thought of was we couldn't do almost any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. for the most part when we were training 
the teams of Waterloo given the space that we had. Mm-hmm. And so that's what led me to, okay, let's go back and take a look at, at what we programmed mm-hmm. to kind of draw some inspiration from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, yeah, that was kind of an, a unique space. Uh, but I, I really, it seemed to me like the team, like we made it our own, you know, and the it, culture up there was fantastic. Yeah, it was so it good. It didn't have like the, yeah, the traditional equipment, the traditional setup. It had some unique things that I think a lot of places would like to have and as the space that a lot of places would like to have. Um, but uh, yeah, the culture and I, I feel like everyone when they came up there were ready to have a good time, but also ready to work. You know, like I think, I think the the teams really liked it up there. Um, and that was something else that I wanted to, to get into was like the, the impact that a space can have on your mindset and your motivation and your performance, honestly, in the weight room, I think is, is incredible. Yeah. I mean, the space you can, you can take advantage of the space to help set up a good session or set mm-hmm. up a, a, like you said, a mindset or a level of preparedness that this mm-hmm. is a space where I do this thing. I'm ready to come in and do it well. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, that was one of the benefits of, of that space. It was so separate and it was, it was its own thing. Like the change rooms were down on the bottom floor, the other side of the building. Mm-hmm. So you had to go and, you know, get changed. And then you walk across the building, you come up the flights of stairs, you're almost going into a completely new space. Mm-hmm. So you can just come in with a different mindset and go, I've opened the doors. I've walked in, I'm ready to train. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. And I think that was maybe the tough part for a lot of people training at home is psychologically the home was not a place of training. Yeah. And so then it's hard, it's hard to separate then like your yourself as an athlete, yourself as, you know, your relationship to the other people that you live with, yourself as a student, you know, you're doing everything in one space now. Yeah. And so I think that was, that's a good point that you bring that up because I feel like that was maybe the biggest challenge for a lot of people in the struggle of training at home. Mm-hmm was yeah separating that this is normally a place of you know casual activity and just hanging out relaxing you know being yourself you know arguably i guess the safest space that you have is the place that you live mm-hmm. and now trying to reframe that mindset for you know an hour i need to change this into the place where you know mm-hmm. i go to town and and take care of business in terms of training. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's hard to do. Like I know, um, for myself walking into a weight room, it, it has a, an impact on me for sure. You know, especially walking in for the first time and you, you can see how it's set up and the equipment and like how much people care about the space, how the people that are currently training in the space care about what they're doing. Um, and the setup and like, yeah, it, it all, it all has a really, yeah, profound impact, I think on, on your attitude towards that session and your motivations to do what you're trying to do that day. Um, I know 
for myself if I'm if I go to a different gym and train with friends that I don't normally train with. Um, I always have a great session because it's always such a great atmosphere and everyone is trying to get better and everyone has exciting things to do that day and everyone's really excited to execute and, you know, get the work like to get better, you know, yeah. um, they care and, and everyone cares about each other too. And they're, they're all hyping each other up. Um, and yeah, I have like my best, some of my best training sessions there. Um, just yeah things that you think are going to be hard you just destroy them because you have all this positive energy flowing with you you know um and then there's <laughs> there's another gym um i'm not gonna say i actually don't even think i could remember the gym's name but there was uh, a couple of powerlifting meets that i've been to hosted by a particular gym i do remember that gym's name won't say it um they have been very very poorly run meets um, specifically in my opinion, because of the space. Um, and then there was this, the second meet that they hosted that I went to, there was this martial arts studio in the front, which is where the meet ran, like the judges sat, the platform was the audience sat, all that stuff. Um, and then immediately behind it was this little gym, which was the warm up room. And it was so cramped. There was two racks. Neither of them were, oh, one of them was adjustable, which you need adjustable racks for a powerlifting meet because everyone's different heights. Um, and yeah, so that the one adjustable rack was nice. The other one was not adjustable. Um, and it was just so cramped and surrounded by like you're, you're boxed in all the time and you're, you know, when you're walking through a crowd and you're like, excuse me, sorry. And you're like, just kind of like snaking your way through. Just, just trying like to make your sliding. way from point A to point B. Yeah. And that's literally what it was the entire time. Like you're, you're either like within any direction, one step is going to knock you into a person or into a machine or a rack or what. Like it was so cramped. It's like being in a nightclub. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere literally. you navigate is just it was. people, bodies. Yeah. And people like, whether they were lifting on the platform or they're warming up or they haven't started yet or whatever, like people were like waiting outside because there was no room. And that's obviously a little bit more of an extreme situation because it's a busier than normal time I would imagine for that gym. Um, but I, I honestly can't imagine training there regularly because like no matter what movement I'm doing, I'm afraid I'm going to hit something with my elbow. You know, it's so yeah, I don't, I can't imagine like training in a space like that would be so demotivating, especially when you compare it to the potential. But you know, what can motivate people a lot is music sometimes. Definitely. What did you listen to today to get you fired up for that first time back under the bar? um today or were you even listening to music uh i listened to i listened to like um when i was just warming up and stuff i was listening to some like uh youtube videos some uh like book reviews and things like that um oh, but wow. when i was yeah i mean i read a lot of fantasies and i like i don't like reading bad fantasy so i want to know what's good so i listen to book reviews interesting and to authors and stuff um yeah, I'm not opposed for like a light, a lighter session. Um, 
or like warm up and stuff to listen to like a podcast or listen to like, like the some, speed strength show some i mean yeah i i could listen to the speed strength show no not you but i mean in general yeah people out there should know you could listen to the speed strength show potentially as yeah a warm-up tune yeah maybe you'll get some good advice to incorporate intro workout um yes yeah, so something more show like warming up is nice sometimes but when it's when it's time to go you know like it needs to get a little bit heavier and today i was listening to um some some rap um ice cube mostly today um Blast a little it. bit of yeah a little bit of eminem um a little bit of cardi b too i like Cardi b um it's an interesting trio you got there it is interesting i suppose uh yeah i don't know if i imagine you know because you know a lot more about music than i do uh ice cube released an album in 2018 or 2017 or something which i i found that like eight months ago or something but i didn't realize he was still making music and it is very good i might have to give it a, i didn't know he made a new album yeah i i really like it everything's corrupt is what it's called okay um, i'll have to look it up then and it's yeah it's really good and there yeah there's definitely some political stuff in there too um but it's yeah, fired I, up in all kinds of ways yeah i really really like ice cube that that album's awesome and uh and some of his like like late 90s early 2000s stuff i think is really solid too obviously it's all amazing but that's that's what i prefer to listen to and that's what i was listening to today so nice yeah how about you what have you been listening to in the gym lately every time i've been working out the last probably four or five days i'm listening to death just death like that that's the name of the band death okay okay they're they're everything they're heavy they're light they're melodic they're aggressive they're metal they're it's to me they're one of the best metal bands of all time oh wow but i just love the name like death like how confident do you have to be that you're going to go on to be a legendary band in the metal scene to call yourself death yeah i mean if you fail you're taking that name away from somebody else yeah that's like if i got drafted into the nhl as a rookie and i go give me number 99 like you've already set this precedent that like you better be good if you're going to do something like that so tremendous respect for the you know the ballsy move to go we're going to call our band death yeah well i'm glad they've delivered and they have delivered so it's good the tempo change keeps you keeps you engaged all Mm -hmm. of a sudden it's very fast and it goes very slow and kind of throw some curveballs at you so yeah i'll have to check them out they're very Uh, they're it's it's very aggressive like it's heavy Mm -hmm. but do you listen do you have so do you listen to the same stuff in the gym as you would like before a race I never listen to music before races. Wow. That's crazy to me. I was always like hood up. I know. I've like seen just, you race. I know yeah, that. Just like hood up, not listen to anything focused on, on what I'm doing. And then wow. kind of get out there and, and you don't, you have no idea what's going on in your surroundings. Like there's music playing at the meets. There's things going on. You have no idea what's happening. You're just focused on, on what you're doing. So yeah i mean i i would say the same thing at a powerlifting meet like it's i mean i do listen to music in between lifts and like when i'm warming up and stuff um 
and now like it used to be pretty quiet but now it's there's music playing usually um and there's an announcer and there's like the judges in the crowd and everything but yeah when i'm on the platform it's literally it's me and it's the bar and it's the head judge is all i care about yeah but yeah i never listen to music hmm. warming That's up interesting. That's so interesting. and i didn't like the feeling of having to worry about like a phone or device and headphones and yeah i guess if you're moving I just, around I wanted to be free to kind of move around and, and do what I need to do. And so, yeah, as much as I love music and I always work out to music and I work to music and I have it playing all the time. That's one of the few cases where I just turn it off and, yeah. and be focused. So yeah, that's cool. But yeah, now we have some new things to listen to. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it depends if we like it or not. Well, give it a try. Give it a try. Something to, yeah, something try. to sample. Yeah, that's nice. I like. I do like metal. I I like that they have the variation because I I don't like a lot of screaming. I like to hear the words. Just, yeah, you can listen. You can decide for yourself what it is. <laughs> okay. That's how I'll describe it. All right, all right. No spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. That's right. Keep you yeah. keep you surprised. Sounds good. So, guess that wraps up the official episode numero uno. Yeah, the one episode of the, the Speed Strength Show. Yeah. That's right, the one episode of the Speed Strength Show. And then we'll be back next week with another show. Talking about something else. Surprise topic. We'll leave that as yeah. a surprise too for people. Yeah, no spoilers. No You'll spoilers allowed. Tune in and find out. That's right. Keep people honest. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm Braden. I'm Tommy. Peace. See you, world.